Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Thank you for listening to the podcast of our service entitled Listen Like a Mother. Wherever you are tuning in from all over the globe, I am so glad you are here. My wish is that the Food for Thought offered brings great nourishment for your soul. Our ministry for the goddess is supported solely by those who, like you, partake of its teachings. If you feel served by listening, please push the donate button now and give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thank you and blessed be. Well, my friends, we're going to begin our service today by singing the So Love chant that was written for us by Oriel Lighten, and Mari's going to put that slide up for the words, and we'll all sing it together. Many of you have sung it with me because we've been singing it at every service since January, and we're going to sing it at every service this year. And so here we go. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are part of the solution, so we love, so I love. And we stir the revolution, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We see mothers, we see brothers, so we love, so I love. And I tend myself and others, so we love, so I love. They are takers and heartbreakers, still we love, so I love. Dare to wonder what lies under, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. Last time, we are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. I started a little high there. <laughs> Sorry about that, but I remember to start a few notes lower. Such a beautiful song. So grateful to Oriel Lighten for writing that gorgeous chant for us. It seems to mean more to me each time I sing it, especially that we bestow love, the idea that it is ours to give, which of course it is. So here we are on Mother's Day. Once again, happy Mother's Day, my friends. It is uh, typically a very emotional day for all of us, for most of us anyway, because our primary relationship and I say primary in the true sense of the word, meaning our first relationship was with our mother. And whether your relationship with her was or is good or bad, if you are still in relationship with her and that is good or it is bad, or if you are no longer in relationship with her and that is good or it is bad, uh, if she still shares this earthly plane with you and that is good or it is bad, or if she's already gone and that is good or that is bad, all of us, one way or another, have an emotional connection to our mothers, as well we should, 
because um, if we look deep enough, we know that this relationship was not only primary, but it was also so incredibly influential, again, for good or bad. Um, our mothers have made a very strong impression upon us, and sometimes their influence made us strive to emulate them, and sometimes their influence showed us what we don't want to do, but, uh, and, and that we want to be very, very different than who they were. But either way, we can't deny that influence that they had, and I don't think that we ought to try. So regardless of what our relationship to our mother is or was, one thing we must find our gratitude for is that our mothers were the ones through which we came into this life. So let's just take a moment now and feel our gratitude for that. Uh, just feel our gratitude for the woman who carried us in her womb, the woman who labored to give birth to us, the woman who gifted us into this world. So let's just take a moment and lift our hearts in gratitude for our lives and the life that she gave us. And then we'll take a deep breath and come back here. Mm -hmm. So I was very happy to see that the next principle in revolutionary love, which is the body of work that we are working our way through month by month this year in Gaia's temple, um, that the next principle is listen. And uh, I was very happy that it fell on Mother's Day. Frankly, I was very happy to be past fight and rage. <laughs> Those were difficult principles to wrap around, although I surely had and have a uh, deep experience of rage uh, quite recently learning of the seemingly eternal instability of Roe versus Wade in this country. I did notice, however, that um, because of the practice of revolutionary love, I found myself going to my safe containers to express that rage. And I also began thinking about what can I do about this rather than just stay in that rageful place? Um, what can I do to support upholding this crucial law? Uh, midterm elections, my friends, vote, vote, vote. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in preparation for last month's service on rage, uh, in addition to reviewing the material in Valerie Kaur's Revolutionary Love course, um, I also read the book Good and Mad by Rebecca Traister, which I highly recommend. The book is especially about women's fury uh, and particularly about the double standards between men and women, that if a man is angry, He's strong, he is righteous, he is, you know, a hero, we can rely on him, you know, but if a woman is angry, she is unhinged and hysterical and crazy. And so she points out this double standard again and again and again. Of course, as I read, I was getting good and mad. So the book was doing exactly what it was meant to do. There's a quote in the book by Sarah Robinson who says, Men literally have no idea how to even legitimately recognize or name our anger, largely because we don't either. This is new territory for everybody. Women's rage has been so sublimated for so long that there is simply no frame 
for what happens when it finally comes to the surface. And I found that to be a very interesting point to make. And one of the things that I loved in this book, Good and Mad, loved is an interesting word to use, but what I found really good that she was pointing out is this sort of dip and lag that happens in the women's movement. Like there's progress, we make progress, right? And then, you know, for like a decade, and just like nothing happens, and we, we fall back a little bit, and then we get enraged about something, and we get in action again, we make some progress. It's like, you know, one step forward, two steps back, and, or, or there's this huge lag time in between progress. And the question is, why, why isn't the women's liberation movement, the equality movement, why doesn't that just continue on steadily? Why is this lag happening? And then she answers her own question, which is because what the patriarchy does is it makes the angry woman the problem instead of what she's angry about. Patriarchy is not a good listener. I did indeed get good and mad. Injustice causes rage and that's why it's part of revolutionary love and how we have to learn what to do with that rage because we can no longer deny it and make progress. So I was happy to see that the principle of listen landed on Mother's Day because it felt like a good fit. You know, originally I decided, oh, listen is the principle, so I'll call it listen to your mother. <laughs> I'll call the service today, listen to your mother. And then I thought, hmm. I don't really know how well that's going to go over. There might be people who do not want to listen to their mother. So then I decided I would call it Listen Like a Mother and to really tune into what it means to be listening that way. So today I want to talk about what Valerie Kaur of Revolutionary Love calls the hard labor of listening. You know, we might think that listening is passive or easy, but it is not. Listening is active active and it is often quite difficult, especially when we are listening to our opponents. So let's uh, look at the compass real quick again, Mari, so that we can orient to where we are in this process of learning about revolutionary love. This is the revolutionary, uh, the compass of revolutionary love and back in January we started with others on the upper left hand corner in the center. The first principle was wonder then we moved on to grieve and then fight. And all of that was under the see no stranger section. And then we moved on to tending the wound, learning to love our opponents. And we started in the center with rage, as I mentioned last month, and now we are on listen. And next month we will move on to reimagine. So just to give us an idea of where we are on the compass, we are, we're in it. We are in the thick of it. All right, thank you, Maury. So we are tending the wound now, and we are tending the wound in ourselves, but also in our opponents. So she gives the definition of opponent this way, Valerie does. An opponent is anyone whose beliefs, words, or actions cause violence or injustice or harm. And she makes a good distinction, actually, between the word opponent and enemy. She says an, an enemy is kind of fixed and often becomes permanent, like someone who you just say, they've done me wrong, there's no changing this, like they are the enemy and they will remain the enemy. But an opponent, she says, is more fluid because an opponent might oppose you here, 
but actually ally with you there. So there's some fluidity in it. And for the sake of learning revolutionary love, we're working with opponents because we want to work with that fluidity and we want to be able to stay in that sort of flexible state because the hard line concretized places uh, often don't have room for healing or for change. So um, our task is to create a healthy way to orient to our opponents, to create enough space so that they might not always remain in the category of opponent and certainly not of enemy. So she poses this question, why is it always that the victims of injustice or harm are always the ones who are begged to ask to listen? Like, why, why are they the ones who always listen? Why isn't that the oppressors are not listening? And so she just brings it back to, you know, we are learning revolutionary love. We're not trying to stay in the same place that brought us here. We're trying to change the culture. And in, with revolutionary love, we all have a role. And that role might change at any given time. So we need to learn and practice all of the principles in revolutionary love. Um, all of the principles on the compass so that we have these tools at our disposal because we never know when we might need to use any one of them based on the situation. So of course we're learning them in a certain order, but we don't have to keep them in that order. Um, like for example, wonder, the principle of wonder, the very first one should be almost always at the forefront if we're trying to be those who love revolutionarily. Wonder, 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 because the minute we decide we know, we think we know, we are back into that concretized place. So we need to learn and practice all of the principles on the compass because at any given time we might need them. And she reminds us that if you are in harm's way, then it is not your job to listen to your opponent. It's your job to get out of harm's way. But if you are safe enough and brave enough to listen to your opponent, then you are needed now, right? And there will be different times when each of us are needed because we are in that place of safety and bravery where we can listen. The question is not, should I listen or not? But the question is, when is it my role to listen? And also, who am I ready to listen to? And these are very important questions for each of us to ask ourselves and to ask ourselves in any one of those given moments, because that also might change from situation to situation. Uh, you know, there might be people that you might never be ready to listen to. You might just decide no matter any time I even think about them, I am harmed, right? I am triggered. I am harmed. I am not ready to listen to them. And Valerie says, don't, then don't. Someone else will, right? But you find what it is you can do, and then you do that. She says, you don't have to feel empathy or compassion to start to listen. And you might not feel empathy or compassion after you listen. So if we're waiting until we feel compassionate and empathetic to listen, we might wait forever. That's not necessary at the start. There just has to be a willingness to listen. You don't have to feel anything for your opponent, opponent actually, to practice revolutionary love for them. Uh, so, like I said, it begins, as it did in January, with wonder, to wonder about them and to wonder about their story and to remember to always say to yourself, even when you are looking at your opponent and you don't agree about anything, to say, you are a part of me that I don't yet know. It's humbling to do that. 
and it it pulls you back from getting so righteous that you get blind. When we do that, we see their humanity. We see the humanity in our opponents, even when they are denying our humanity. And this is kind of that, uh, you know, when they go low, we go high. We have to kind of hold ourselves in a certain place. So the thing about listening revolutionarily or in order to practice revolutionary love is that we're listening to understand. That's the intention. I want to listen so deeply to what you're saying so that I understand where you are coming from and how you came to this place. We want to, uh, we don't want to listen to change the other person, to persuade them into thinking differently, to compromise our own thoughts or feelings, or to legitimize our opponents. We just want to listen to understand them, to listen underneath the story underneath the sound bites and the parroting to hear what is behind it, to hear what is beneath it. Some wounds are quite visible, right, on the surface. We can see the cut, we can see the blood, but some wounds, many wounds, are not visible. They are deep under the surface and we can't see them. They're out of sight. We might sense that they are there, uh, but we can't know for sure what the nature of that wound is when it is deeply embedded and out of sight. And this is why listening is so important. Listening like a mother, listening like a mother listens means this. So a mother, for example, might come upon her child screaming and crying, but if she wasn't there to see what caused this response, she must listen to her child to find out what happened. And when her child tells her that her little friend, Susie, pulled her down off the monkey bars and caused her to fall on the ground at recess, then we know that there are going to be some bruises to come and there will definitely be need for an ice pack and some kisses too on the boo-boo to make sure that everything is fine, make it all better. But a mother listens to the story and also hears that part of the injury is betrayal, that someone she considered her friend, little Susie, uh, injured her. And so that also needs to be addressed for healing also. That is the deeper listening that a mother does. What caused this? What happened to cause this upset? Not just the Band-Aid on the cut, but the injury from getting the cut to begin with. Uh, and of course, little Susie's mother needs to listen deeply to why her kid pulled her friend off the monkey bars to begin with and why she caused harm. So this is kind of the deep listening, hopefully, that mothers do, that many mothers do, um, that all you mothers out there do, I'm sure. And we have to apply that sort of motherly listening to our opponents who are not necessarily our children. So uh, a mother listens with her ears, yes, but she's also listening with her heart and she's listening with her mind and she's listening with her whole body. She's listening to her gut and her intuition and she's asking questions until she really gets to the bottom for understanding. It is full throttle listening. What we're listening for is information when we listen like this. And it's not just to be moral because it's a good thing to listen and also to witness and to hold space for someone who's been injured, but it's also very strategic 
because listening is how we get the information we need to reimagine the world. Like if we understand what that wound is, we know what needs to happen in order to change the world about it. We don't just need to remove or stop the people who are causing harm. We need to change the culture that empowers and radicalize them, radicalizes them. That is a direct quote from Valerie. We don't need to just stop the ones who are doing harm. We need to change the, the culture that gives rise to that behavior to begin with. She tells us that whenever we encounter bigotry, white supremacy, misogyny, like all the isms that cause harm, when we feel negatively judged by anyone, including our very own mothers, what we are encountering is unresolved grief. The grief that the ideologies of our opponents hold that the world is not how they want it to be, not how they would like it. And typically they want it a certain way to maintain their power and status, right? To feel safe. All of us, everyone likes their privilege and nobody wants to give up their privilege, their power, their security, their safety. So when it doesn't go that way, the harm comes from unresolved grief. That is really good information to keep in your mind when you see these sense, what we consider and what are senseless acts of violence and harm. If we truly understand this, then we can work to create a world where no one is left behind and no one does without, including our opponents. So they are made safe and they don't have to cause harm. And that's hard to do when we're angry, for sure. Now, it might be too late to do this for our mothers who might have harmed us emotionally or in any way. Uh, we were their children, right? It wasn't our job to be mature for them, but we are mature now. And so looking through this window, looking through this understanding that what we encountered with whatever they did that might have harmed us in any way uh, was coming from their unresolved grief helps us to understand them a little bit, helps us to find some compassion for them for that. And who knows, it might even lead to forgiveness for their unresolved grief, for their humanity. Now, their pain or anyone's pain never justifies violence. Pain and hate do not justify violence. So make no mistake, that is not at all what I'm saying. But if we understand what is giving rise to it, the hate and the violence. That is such important information. So we know how to reimagine the world where they can see themselves safely in it. And then they might take a deep breath and in the few seconds they take that deep breath, they might lay their cold weapon down. So here are tools that we have or tools to remember in listening to our opponents. Beliefs, even hateful ones, contain information. And if we are listening to gather that information rather than to contest what we're hearing, that's revolutionary. Listen to understand, not to create counter arguments or to defend yourself or your position. The moment you go, and that's hard, that is really hard, because if someone spews a judgment on you and you think it's unjust or incorrect 
or you don't know where they come up with that, but it certainly isn't you. The instinct is to defend yourself right away. We are so defensive. We get so defensive. I get so defensive. And it's really hard not to defend yourself. This is why she calls revolutionary love sweet labor. It is not easy stuff. It's difficult stuff. Um, but it's good information. So you're not looking to counter what they say or defend yourself. It takes a big person to just listen and really take it in without having to refute. But that's a tool. That's a tool we need to practice so that we can do it. Um, the next thing that is difficult, but is also tool a tool, is learn, because some of the things that we might hear that our opponents say, okay, all of the things that we hear our opponents say, can bring up disgust in us. I know I am disgusted by some of the things that I am hearing. I, I find them disgusting, like really distasteful. And so Valerie says what we have to do is we have to stay with it until our disgust quiets a little bit. So we can have our reaction, or we can have our response, the response that rises in us, but then we must just kind of hold it and stay with it until it settles a little bit so we're not acting out of it and doing exactly what our opponents do. That's the difference. That's what makes it revolutionary. To understand and remember that there is suffering inside the hate. The suffering is of loss. The suffering is when they feel or anyone feels threat when they are threatened, their way of life is threatened, their privilege is threatened, there is fear inside of that and there is suffering inside of that. Like I said, it doesn't excuse violence behavior or the policies and practices of injustice, fear, pain, hate, they don't justify that bad stuff, but it's good to know that's where it's coming from. It's really good to know that's where it's coming from. It keeps them human instead of monsters and we can look within ourselves and see where we might have done the same somewhere along the way. It keeps it very human and humble. It's good information to remember. So if we listen, here's another tool she says that we should practice. Try to listen from inside the pain. Now, we just want to get out of pain right away. We want to do whatever we can to get out of pain. Uh, particularly emotional pain. Well, any kind of pain. Physical pain, give me an Advil. You know, we just, we want the medicine, we want the pain relief, we want to be numbed out. But if we listen from inside the pain, then we can see the complexity and the woundedness and the deeply human person who is speaking to us. And then we don't become those opponents um, or in some cases, enemies. Listening is a way to tend the wound of our opponents. And then Valerie asks, you know, if we don't do it, who will? Those who are on that side, those who agree with our opponents, they're not listening to make any change or to reimagine the world. They're listening to fortify that, their side. So we are the ones. When the time is right, when we feel able, and when we're ready to practice. So you might not be ready and able, and that is perfectly fine. But if you are, why not? Why not try? Why not give it a go? Why not see even if you have one tiny little bit, one incremental little step in shifting the culture that radicalizes this harm?
if we listen to understand, and it may or may not change our opponent's view or opinions, right? That's not why we're doing it. But if we listen to understand, it may model for them what love looks like, what freedom is. So we are modeling, we are being what we want to see in the world. That is the revolutionary love. So we have a song now. Uh, the first song, if you will play it for us, Mari, if every woman in the world. So I'll ask you if you would to take a moment now, close your eyes and go within. Take a nice deep breath. Reconnect yourself to your grounding cord that we sent down at the beginning of the service. And if you came in after we did that grounding, go ahead and ground yourself to our big, beautiful Mother Earth now. Feel yourself deeply held by her. 
And then I'm going to ask you in your mind's eye, in your heart, in your soul, in your gut, identify an opponent that you might be willing to listen to. Now, this opponent can be anybody or anything. It can be a system, it could be a group of people, it could be a, a friend, it could be your partner, it could be your child, it could be any, it could be your mother, it could be your father, it could be anyone. Someone who you feel has opposing views that you have felt harmed by. And see if you can identify one opponent, but one that you might be willing to listen to. Might be willing to listen to. There's, there's no have to. To see who that person might be. And conjure them up in your mind's eyes. See them. See what they look like. Remember their faces. Call them up. And as you look at them in your mind, in your mind's eye, ask yourself what the wound is that is driving them or drove them. Like what happened there that they caused that harm to begin with? And you might know, you might not know, but just take a moment to contemplate what that might have been. And trust your very first response. It's probably right. And then ask yourself, how would they behave if they did not carry that pain, if they were safe and free and at home in their bodies and in the world? How might they behave differently if they weren't behaving out of that wound, the wound that drives them. Good, now imagine that you are becoming, if you aren't already, a wise grandmother regardless of your gender identity. Think of yourself as a wise elder woman with experience and a heart full of love and understanding. And notice that your heart has ears, ears with which to listen so very deeply. And then look into that loving heart of yours because you know in there, you know in there what to do now and next about this opponent or possibly with them. You already know. The wise elder in you already knows. Maybe it's just time to consider them with understanding and as much compassion as you can conjure and nothing more is needed. Or maybe you're ready to reach out and have a conversation with them. Take a moment now to listen to the wisdom you already hold in your own wise grandmother's heart about what to do now or what to do next with regard to this opponent in your life. Take another deep breath, gently open your eyes and come back here. Very simple meditation today.
you know, I think what happens, especially because it's so upsetting to have an opponent, right? And it's conflict and we're conflict avoidant and we don't like it and we don't want it. And we'd rather la, 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 la. You know, or our minds will just go, well, if I do this, what'll happen? Am I ready for this? You know, we just like spin out in thinking. Um, but just as we did here just now, you know, we can take a moment to ground ourselves at any time. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Tune in to the wisdom that we already carry. Ask our bodies and our hearts what to do now and next. Sometimes our mind is just busy yap, yap, yapping. That's more information. And that's ways to get good information for ourselves. And we don't have to look out there for it. We can trust what's going on in here. But it does require slowing the mind, focusing the mind, slowing down, breathing deeply, connecting to something way larger than us, like our big, beautiful, great mother earth, and then tuning into the wise part of ourselves, not the crazy one who's running on the hamster wheel, the wise one. What does that wisdom tell us? And if that wisdom says, nope, you're not ready to reach out to this opponent, trust that wisdom. And if that wisdom says, you know what? There's nothing to be afraid of. And if that wisdom tells you, you want to reach out to find out what happened for them rather than trying to explain yourself to them, that's a good sign that it might be ready to reach out across the waters and there will be no more war, or at least will lead toward that direction. So I would be re remiss, my friends, if I didn't talk even a little bit about our precious Mother Earth, our great mother, the mother of us all, and how she listens to us because she listens to our hunger for food, for shelter, for clothing, for delight, for pleasure, and she provides them regardless of how we treat her, she provides them. She listens in hopes that we are listening back and that we remember that she too is alive with needs and desires and hopes. What would we hear the story beneath the story of all the wounding she has received, what would we hear her telling us if we truly listened? And so Mari will hear the next song. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother call. She says, wake up, wake up, children, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run wild. May the mountains go
Thank you. Actually, we forgot to put the credits on that. That was Pamela Gerke and I singing that song. And Pamela, I'm grateful to you for providing all the music for us today, all the editing that you did. Thank you so very much. Well, my friends, listening is hard labor. There is no doubt about it. And it is part of the sweet labor that is love. And listening to truly understand who you are listening to is what makes this kind of love revolutionary. There are takers and heartbreakers Still we love, so I love. So on this day, when we celebrate our mothers, the precious life givers who surely labored to bring us to bear, may we listen like a mother, full throttle with all of our being so we can reimagine the world in which everyone is welcome and respected, honored and cherished, safe and free.
Blessed be.